Tuesday night, 7.30, Bush Church. If you can get there, that would be fantastic to support that. Yeah, so we are having a progressive dinner. <laughs> been a while since I've eaten one of them. Yep. Although sometimes it was like, you know, this survey, the next survey, <laughs> you know, got a sausage roll. Yeah, drink. No. But, but isn't it funny, like the old days, like I think about progressive dinners, and when I was involved in progressive dinners as a young person, it was so funny because it was usually the same sort of foods that you'd get. These are the sort of things going in and out of fashion, but, you know, you might get a prawn cocktail or something, and then apricot chicken had to appear somewhere on the menu, and trifle. Oh, my gosh. I got so sick of trifle. Did everyone else? No, everyone loves it. Trifle. But it was something that sort of used to happen and there was a lot of getting together. Like people got together quite a bit and would do these things. So progressive dinner, if you don't know, does anyone not know what a progressive dinner is? Don't be embarrassed. Yep. <laughs> I think he does really. <laughs> you start somewhere, you move to the next course somewhere else, you move to the next course somewhere else and you travel together and you have fun together and, and fellowship, right? So please... If you're here in the church, you're going, oh, I've got no friends, I don't know anyone, take advantage of this situation. Come and eat some food, have some fun, and like I like what Becca said, we might be going to different countries. That sounds exciting. That doesn't sound like trifle, does it? <laughs> but we did have jellyfish salad at Becca's house the other day. That was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. There's some things that we did better in the old days, right? Would you agree? Everyone who's my age, we were awesome, young people, hopeless. No, not really. <laughs> no, not really. No, no, there was things we did better. But one of the things we did better was sunburn. We did it so much better, right? Like, I look at today and I'm like, you know, you, you get the sunscreen out, it's like SPF 50 plus. Like, when I was a kid, if you got five plus, you were lucky. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Wow, this is amazing, this sunscreen. It's, you know, SPF 5 plus. Wow. And then we got 15 or 7, and we're like, oh my gosh, like, we're going to be wearing a tent around shortly. And, and so you got this 50 plus, and, you know, your kids have sun safe, and they go out in the sun, but they don't really understand what sunburn's all about. They got no idea the joys <laughs> the joy of sunburn. And I, I think back to the cricket, you know, back when I was a kid, and the dress code was this, you go in with your you know, shirt on and everything, but, you know, after about 10 or 15 minutes, you'll see all the guys taking their shirts off and sitting in the hot sun, but it was all right. You had zinc cream on your nose, protected. <laughs> that was about it. And you had an amazing flannelette hat that had a five millimetre brim. That should keep the sun off you. And, and everyone was always burnt, like, to a crisp. I remember, no matter what, when we were kids, if there was a long weekend like now, Monday at school, Tuesday at school would be like awesome. You'd just see all these kids and they're just red, red, raw. I remember getting so red, raw. And it'd be really hard because you'd have to try and hide the fact that you got sunburn, right? Because your back is red and it's sore. And if you tell anyone, yeah. <laughs> hey, here you going, mate? <laughs> And you got this massive red back and you're sore. We knew how to do sunburn well. And my dad used to, my very neglectful parents, no. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know if we ever wore sunscreen, but you know, we'd get so red and you're peeling and all week, like about Wednesday at school, there's skin coming off everywhere. But my face used to glow red, apparently. So Dad used to have this joke, he'd say, hey, you going, Moses? Like, he'd look at me, because Moses had this encounter with God that caused his face to shine. And I want to talk about that today, that, that, that whole thing of reflecting something. Now, when I had a sunburnt face, people could go, wow, he's been in the presence of the sun. And it was shiny, and <laughs> it was red, but it really, really hurt. Um, but Moses had this different encounter that I just want to talk about because for us as Christians, it's really important to understand it, all right? That, that there's this side to God that is so amazing and, and, and the story takes place after the first commandments and just before the first commandments were given to, to Moses. So if you ever know about the Ten Commandments, there was two sets given out. Uh, the first set came because Moses went up and got it and came down and the people were down at the bottom of the mountain and they decided that Moses had been away too long. Uh, let's throw all our gold into a fire and out jumped this calf of gold, apparently. That was the story that Moses got told. You know, Moses, we didn't do anything wrong. We were just down here and everyone just threw their gold into the fire as you do and out jumped this calf and we had to worship it. They started worshipping this calf. So Moses threw down the commandments that God had given him and they smashed. See you later, Ten Commandments. And, yeah, after that, Moses decided he was going to set up a tenor meeting. Um, so if you read through the story that um, fully that we're talking about today in, in Exodus, uh, about 33 to 35, something like that, um, you, you'll see that Moses decided he was going to set up what he called the tenor meeting. That tenor meeting was apparently, probably most likely, not that we were there, but his own tent that he set up and, and people would watch Moses as he went to the tent of meeting. The cloud would come down on it. The pillar of cloud would come down on the tent when he was inside. And the tent was not just for Moses. It was actually for everyone to bring their requests to God. Joshua used to come with Moses and he stayed in the tent after Moses had gone out. But there was no radiance or shining on Moses at that time. But the tent of meeting was sent up and that's important for us to understand. So... He's gone in there and, and then one day he's there meeting with God and let's just read uh, from Exodus 33, 14 to 18. The Lord replied, I will go personally with you, Moses, because Moses was like, oh, this is no good, God, because after the people had worshipped the calf, he said, I'm not going with you. You can go to this land, but forget about my presence going with you. And, and Moses Moses was just questioning God and saying, you need to come. I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably upon me and on your people if you don't go with us? If your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably upon you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Moses had come to a point where he's like, I know what you're saying, God, but I want to see you. I want to see your glorious presence. He understood God and who he was, but at this time he had never actually really had that face-to-face -face encounter, so to speak, with God, where God actually revealed himself to him. So that happens. Moses ends up going up the mountain again. 
top of Mount Sinai to get the second lot of commandments, took the tablets up again, and God said, I'm going to show myself to you. How was he going to do that? He said, Moses, what's going to happen? I'm going to pass before you. I'm going to shout my name, Yahweh. And I'm going to cover your face. I'm going to walk past and you can see my back, basically. You can't look at my face or you'll die. But what I'm going to do is show you part of who I am. And he passed by Moses. So Moses saw, saw that happen and God passed by. He had this encounter with God. He saw God's presence. He was up there for 40 days and 40 nights, nothing to eat, nothing to drink, and then came down again. Came down to see the people. And as he did, the people looked upon him and they saw something different about Moses. When Moses came down Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of community to come over and he talked with them. This amazing encounter that Moses had had changed his face, his entire face. He had seen God and now his face was shining with this glory of God. He didn't know it. He'd just been in God's presence, but, but somehow there had been this change that had come over him that was seen in his face. The face of Moses was now shining and radiant and bright and it, was, it must have been so bright because the people were scared to come to him and, and look upon his face because they were a little bit scared. What's going on, Moses? What's happened to you? Let's, let's, um, let's think about that for a minute. What would it be like for us to have that sort of encounter with God? Is it even possible? So we see Moses, this special person in God's sight, obviously been meeting with him and it said it talked with him as face to face. That means that close relationship. But then he'd gone up, he'd seen God's glory. He had this tent of meeting set up, but there wasn't really any glory in it. He never came out of that tent of meeting and people were afraid to look at him. He'd been meeting with God, but he hadn't felt the presence of God. The character of God hadn't passed before him, hadn't seen God as he truly is. But at this point, on top of that mountain, when God passed by him, all of a sudden his radiance changed, his face changed, and he became different. His face began to shine. And what happened was that Moses decided that he needed to put a veil over his face because it was shining so much. So what he would do, he had that tent of meeting still, but he'd start to go there and, and he'd go into the tent of meeting, he'd open up this veil over his face, whatever that might have looked like, have a meeting with God, he'd walk back out and cover up his face. Was that because God's glory was getting brighter or was it because of another reason? It wasn't so much that God's glory was shining out of him at that time. And we get a, a clue of that as we're going to read 2 Corinthians in a little minute. But what happened is that, that this is an old covenant encounter with God. And what we're going to read shows us that that, that encounter was fantastic. The law was given, this is, yeah, I'm going to look after you, you're my people. But the old covenant was nothing compared to what God was going to reveal to us through Jesus Christ. A new covenant, a new agreement, not just with the Israelites, but with every person who believes in Jesus Christ. 
So Moses covered his face and we would think, yeah, because his face was shining so much. But Corinthians tells us that he covered his face, not because his face was shining so much, but because the glory of the Lord was fading. And was it that Moses didn't want people to see that, you know, God was so glorious but it fades away and it discouraged them that they think maybe God's not always going to be with us? I'm not really sure, but maybe as he met in the tent, it did increase again. Maybe as he, as he met face to face with God, there was this increase of glory on his face, this, this shining that, that when he went out, he did have to hide it from the people. But Corinthians says that Moses wore that veil because it was fading. The glory of the Lord fading. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be seeing the glory of God fade in my life. And I don't think we have to. I'm sure we don't have to. I'm sure that, that you've met people that, that seem to have this relationship with God, that they're always spending time with God, and, and you're like, what does that mean? But, but you see their lives, and, and daily you see them, and you're like, there is just something so different about you. I see every time I meet you, it, it's like I'm meeting with God. It's like out of you flows love or kindness or grace or peace or hope. And, and in every situation, whenever I come to you, you lift me up. You don't discourage me. You push me on. You don't diminish me. You, you know your strength is in God. You, you feel so confident and you ooze this confidence because I can tell you've met with God. Can that fade in our life as well? I, I think it probably can, actually. Not because we don't have access to it, but because we don't take advantage of of the access that we have. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever had an encounter with God? Have you ever felt his touch at a time when you need it? Have you ever gone for prayer or, or been prayed for by someone and God met a need instantly? You were troubled. You didn't have the peace in your soul. Maybe you were sick and God reached out his hand at that very moment and blessed you. That is what it means when God says, come, taste and see. I am a good God. And there's times in your life where you don't even know why. You've done nothing. You haven't even changed your life that much. And you cry out to God and he just touches you. Have you had that? And you're like, wow, this is amazing. God, you are good. I can see this, this God in action in my life. And then three weeks later, you're like, oh, I don't feel so peaceful anymore. I don't feel that touch of God anymore. Maybe you're a Christian who's sort of became a Christian. You're on three months. You're on fire for God. You're following after him. You're reading your Bible. You're going to church and slowly letting go of those things. And you're like, oh, I feel like, Sin's overcoming me again. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm walking back to my old life. What's going on there? What's happening in your life? There's a very, very, very real possibility. That's what, that what's happened is this, that you have seen God's glory because you've believed the veil has been taken away from you You've tasted God and his goodness and it's changed your life 
instantly like that. The goodness has, but then you don't do what the guys have been talking about over the last two weeks. You're not remaining in him. Because he's gifted you something out of his grace to show you how good it can be to have life with him. But then you've sort of walked away from the truth. You've, you've walked away from what God has really shown you. And, you know, to be like a smoker getting healed of lung cancer and then continuing to smoke and go, I can't believe it, I've got lung cancer again. And so it is with us that God intervenes because he knows we are trapped. We are trapped. We're in a situation where we cannot get our way out of and we need a miraculous intervention, something outside of what is happening right now and you've got a trouble in your life and God comes in and goes, bang, let me free you. You're free. But then we use our freedom just to walk back into that captivity of what we've just come out of. Let me free you from that sin. I feel free. But then we go back. Why? Because we haven't remained in Christ. We haven't given our lives and lives completely over to him. And as Jesus talked about it in John 15, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask anything and you'll have it. There's this point where we have to go, okay, I have access to God, and I'll read through that in a second, but am I really taking advantage of it? Paul talked about it. He said, don't let your freedom lead you into sin. Let it lead you into liberty. The freedom that comes in God. And isn't that what we want as Christians? Don't we want to walk in freedom? Don't we want to walk free from all those things? Don't we want to see whatever God's performed in our life? You know, the, the anger that I had against someone just disappeared overnight. But I never did anything to be transformed. I was like, that's an awesome gift, thank you very much. It's like you win the lotto and you spend all the money and you're still living in the town camp or in a tent or in a slum or even in your own house now instead of a mansion. That it's like the gift of God that we take, we can easily take for granted, can't we? We can throw it away. Thanks, God, for your amazing gift of salvation. Thanks, my sins are being forgiven. I love it. Spend all that grace. Let me go out and sin some more and I'll get some more grace. Oh, awesome. Forgiven again. That's not freedom. That's just the love of a, a benefactor that we have who loves us so much that he continues to forgive our sins whenever we ask. But that's not the life a Christian's meant to be living. I've got rid of my anger. I don't feel angry anymore. Three weeks later, I haven't dealt with it and replaced the anger with God's love in my heart. And so I just start to get angry again. God, where are you now? It's your fault, God. I'm angry. I didn't do anything you asked of me. I didn't change my heart. I didn't allow your spirit to work inside my soul, but it's your fault. Fix it. Fix it, God. It's your job. Fix it. It's true, it is God's work. But God's work is only fulfilled in our life by complete surrender to his perfect will. So I'm going to follow after you, God. So let's read. I'm going to read actually a big slab of 
Corinthians and then we'll do a slide at the end of it, just one little bit. Second Corinthians, chapter 3, and starting at verse 7. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writing, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. What a difference it makes having this new covenant. God's old covenant was law, and, and he was saying even that was glorious, I promised, and, and here's the law. But Moses had to go and meet with God somewhere. Moses went to the mountain. Moses saw his glory. But, but what the Bible is saying about this new covenant is that Anyone who believes has the veil taken away. What does that mean? It means that every single day we can walk in God's presence wherever we are. Why? Because God is not dwelling in a tent. God is not walking past us on a mountain. God is living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. There is nothing stopping us seeing the glory of God today. Nothing. There is no inhibitor inhibiting factor there's not a a curtain between the people and the presence of the lord the presence of the lord has come to dwell inside of you and it's like as though the veil has been ripped from our face and from our mind so that we can understand god's character that we can feel god's love that we don't just walk in law but we are now living in grace and truth and holiness and the best thing is this That last little bit there, the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His image that that for us as Christians, He's saying we all have this option. We can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. That we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, but we don't have to. But we can that God is calling you today to start to look upon his face, to start to know who he is. And, and the point of all this is that God's salvation to you was not meant to be a stopgap between earth and heaven. It was meant to transform your life. 
so that each and every day you're becoming more and more transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And how does it happen? Through my effort? No. Does it happen through my total obedience to every little bit of the law? Does it happen to me doing lots of things? No. Your transformation is dependent on how much you look into his face. That's a big, beautiful promise, isn't it? I love that promise. I like it. If I can just do that, I can stop worrying about whether I'm good enough. I can stop worrying about the sins that beset me so easily. I can stop worrying about me and changing me. I'm going to be the best me that I can be, whatever that means. I'm still trying to work that out. What does the best me look like? It really doesn't matter. I can't work it out. The best me is formed when I'm looking into the face of Jesus. True? The best me is developed when I allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life. The best me is developed when I fall on my feet in worship before a Saviour so pure and holy that I see his face and it starts to reflect in my life and, and so hopefully that people can see that God is real. Stop trying so hard, guys. And start worshipping more. You become who you worship. It's basically what it works out. If you worship money, you become a greedy, horrible person. If you worship success, you become self-centred and conceited. If you worship career then you miss the point of eternity. If you worship God, you become all that he is. And all those other things in your life get transformed as you get transformed. Come on, don't we love that? I love that. I love it because I don't have to do anything except fall down before him in complete surrender. What a good promise, guys. What a good promise. Transformed. And I'm hoping that as a church, that happens with us, right? Wouldn't you love it to... Love to be that in your workplace you walk in and people are looking at you and like, oh man, I almost can't bear to look at you, Shane. What's going on? Your face is shining. Shannon, why is it that when you walk in, it's like the birds sing? <laughs> Snow White. <laughs> Neil, when you walk down the street and you meet that person at the checkout, they're like, that was the best encounter I've had all day. Gee, that guy was nice. 
there's just something about him. It's fun to be around him. I want that. I want that for us. And this morning, I really want you to take advantage of an opportunity to come up for prayer when the worship team does come up. Because I know that there's people here, there has to be, that there's some struggle in their life and, and they're like, man, I just want to get through it. And you might even be blaming yourself this morning. You're like, it's my own fault. <laughs> I haven't done this and I haven't done that. And, you know, it's just been me. It's my problem. It's my fault. I deserve this. I deserve this struggle. Can I just give you the opportunity this morning to taste and see that the Lord is good? He wants to show you, but he wants you not to remain where you are. But there's times, honestly, you know, I remember, <laughs> or you could even think about it, but, but an insect caught in a spider web when I was a kid, you know. You see him struggling and doesn't matter how much effort they put in. In fact, it's worse. You see this fly getting wrapped up in the spider web or the insect, whatever it would be. I wouldn't let a fly go, but I think, I think it might have even been a praying mantis in there. And it's like, you know, you're getting all tangled up and the spider's coming down the web, ready to devour it, wrap it up, suck the juice out. <laughs> but I tell you right now, that's the devil's plan for you. That's the devil's plan for you. Put you in a place of struggle where the more you struggle, the more you're wrapped up and Satan's just waiting there to suck the juice out of you. <laughs> it's true, right? I remember grabbing that insect and putting it out <laughs> and it went free. Yeah, it could have flown back in. Stupid insect. <laughs> but there's times in your life where you just need the touch of God, right? You've tried everything else, you've struggled, you've wrapped up in the spider web, and you're like, I just can't get free. But thank goodness that we have the Holy Spirit and we have God's power. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and Jesus has been given authority in heaven for the benefit of the church. It says that in Ephesians. And there's times when you just need a release and that's what this morning is about, this prayer this morning, is that you just get a release from wherever it is. And I've asked the elders and Shannon to come up and just pray with you. And as I said before, just maybe seek a word for you, a word of encouragement that will help you on your journey. And I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to be slow in coming up. If no one comes, cool. But I can guarantee there's someone here, at least one person, that needs that touch of God today. Maybe even more. Maybe even some of the elders that come up, they might need prayer first. But it's for God to set you free so that you can actually get that clear air that it's almost like, yeah, that veil. Hey, man, I can see God again. I can see him. What is it in your life that, that you're struggling with? And Ashley pointed out a few things today where there might be struggle. Maybe it's even you've lost the 
joy of your salvation. Maybe you've forgotten that God has cleansed you from your sin and you're just like, at the moment you're just thinking, oh, I'm such a sinner, I'm so useless, God doesn't love me. If that's the way you're thinking, get up the front today. Let God release you from that and put back into you the, the joy of your salvation. You know, the, the day you got saved, you began in the spirit. You're like, woo, I'm free from sin. I feel so clean. I feel so great. And then you get entangled back again. Let God free you today. Make a decision that I'm going to walk in his way. I'm going to seek his face because the tragedy is that, like I said, you could get free from that spider web and then just jump back in like those silly old pilot whales in Western Australia. They drag them out to sea and they beach themselves again and they all died. You know, just like, not very good pilots, right? But it's like they're back on the, the sand dying and, you know, I know God wants to set some people free this morning. 100%. He always wants to set people free. I don't even need a prophecy for that. God wants to set you free. <laughs> but He wants you to remain in Him. Once you're free, remain in Him. It's a good thing to do. It's a wonderful thing to do. And as you remain in Him, as you surrender yourself fully to Him, that's where the transformation comes looking at this face of the one who's perfect and is beginning to change you. I love that word transform because it seems to have power behind it, right? It's transform. It's like ram it through. Love it. Alright, how about we stand and seriously, don't be shy to come forward today. I know God wants to touch people's lives. It'd be very, very silly just to stay there and wait when you know that you need God to touch you. Connor, is this your last Sunday? Beautiful little Connor. We're going to pray for him as well at the end. <laughs> Heading off to America. So we're going to pray for him too. So if you can.